The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. This is Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardell. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome to the weekend and uh, not bad. For the month of November, uh, market-wise, fabulous, seasonally uh, in order. Uh, weather-wise, not bad. Uh, kudos to uh, Stuart Raftis, our chief executive officer at CG Wealth Management, uh, who took to the streets of Toronto for Covenant House, uh, flirting with raising almost a hundred grand. Uh, he still may get over that number. Last I checked, he was actually at ninety-three thousand dollars. So I want to thank you, the listener, for supporting uh, the Covenant House sleepout, and uh, kudos to. Stuart Raftis for embracing uh, the elements and uh, some cold concrete. Uh, it is a time of the year, my friends. Uh, you're all warm and cozy, either in your car or at home, hanging with Jack and I, uh, money guys. Uh, but uh, we have to remember we have to give back. Um, and we have to take care of each other. And we have to, of course, take care of the environment. Uh, how's that Halloween candy hanging around the house? Any left? Uh, it's more packaging than it is food, I must say. No one's going to argue with me on that front. Yep, lots of packaging. The packaging drives me crazy, especially when you go into various retailers. And I, I think it's going to get worse, this packaging thing, because when you go into retailers, you can basically steal for free. They won't bust you if you steal stuff these days. And I, I know uh, some items are actually not being put behind the counter if you go and take, for example, buy some polysporin, a little tube of the stuff. Uh, often you'll find an empty box on the shelf with the tube behind the counter. Uh, because of theft. And another way to offset theft is just make this outrageously large packaging so you can't even get through the turnstile when you leave the store. But uh, we don't need more packaging. We don't need more stuff because we already consume a lot of stuff. And that's why the stock market goes up because we buy more stuff each and every year. And if you think we're going to buy less stuff next year, well, get out of the stock market. But I think we're going to buy more stuff next year. I do got some good news for you. And again, Jack and I pay very attention to a lot of attention to all the sectors on the board, from pharma to financials to commodities uh, and even waste management. Um, you know, the GFL company here in Toronto, uh, that's been quite the uh, entrepreneurial uh, business. And there's waste management, um, waste connections. Uh, Republic Service, uh, big, big, big garbage businesses. Uh, it's a good business to be in because, well, rest assured, you're going to produce more garbage. Um, but recycling, that's a different uh, kettle of fish. Uh, we're going green, aren't we? Uh, well, we got to, I think, do a better job recycling. And it's amazing. When I was a little lad, I helped my brother uh, try to raise some money. And this is back in the 70s. Uh, and we had to collect newspapers. Um, and then you had to roll them up. And again, there was Toronto Stars. Those things were massive. They were timber uh, extraordinaire. But you had to roll them up, collect them. And I think after you had about 15 or 20 rolls, big rolls in your basement, someone from uh, the Boy Scouts would come and pick them up. And, well, they claimed that they were going to recycle them. So that made us feel good. I don't know how well they got recycled because we've all seen stories in the news where all this wonderful recycling stuff that we've sorted and separated for the garbage men, it ends up in a third world country. We sell it. And uh, I know the Americans were buying our garbage for a long time. Uh, so anyways, garbage is big business. And, uh, well, and this show's all about making money. And if we can do good while we make money, win-win situation. Um, here at home in Brampton, uh, there is a recycling company that's doing some revolutionary work worthy of note. Um, so I'm pleased to uh, introduce uh, Samara Betty. Uh, he's the founder of a company called Sol 
Recycling. Uh, welcome, uh, Samar. Uh, thank you for spending some time with us on High Fire Radio Show about money. Um, <clears throat> is there money in recycling? First, uh, thank you for having me, Wolf. Um, it's a, it's an honor. So, yes, there's money to be have in recycling, and like you were saying, uh, the GFL, the Waste Connections, the, the Millers, and all these big boys in garbage. I wanted make sure that we know that recycling and waste are two different sectors, two different industries in total. Okay, so uh, you know what I did on Sunday? Um, I collected my vino bottles. Mm-hmm. I had a couple. Uh, my family owns a vineyard, so I'm sort of forced to drink this stuff. Um, and, of course, I got a few teenage boys who seem to drink these little things called beers, a couple, <laughs> couple of those floating around the house. Yeah. And I uh, made Kathleen happy and did a run. Uh I just, I can't give it away. And I know one friend, he said, I won't put it at the end of the street because, uh, you know, pickers come in, right. fight over the stuff sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I see the restaurants downtown Toronto where the, they put a green bin out full of wine bottles, empty wine right. bottles, and then uh, some local will come by and collect them all and then yeah. take them in. But my point I want to make is re, um, taking back something as simple as my beer bottles to the beer store mm-hmm. is a drag. Uh, they're shutting down Brewers Retail. Mm-hmm. making it more cumbersome to take them back. And I was lucky when I got there, there were only two people in line. When I left, there were 15 people in line, one employee working. Mm-hmm. I said to that employee working, I said, do you need staff around here? He says, no, we got staff. They just don't show up. Right. It's okay. That's good. I got staff that don't show up. <laughs> well, that's a problem for us too, right? Remember, we're dealing with garbage. So to have staff at this point, it's, it's crazy. It's, it, the turnover is insane, right? So I think that's with every business. So to retain, you got to pay good nowadays. You got to pay well. You do. Yeah, well, especially in the waste industry. I, I, I think I saw an episode once of Orange is the New Black, and I think they had prisoners sorting uh, garbage. Anyways, <laughs> I'm not proposing we have prisoners sorting garbage, but probably better than sitting in a, in a cell. Yeah. Uh, and again, I, I don't uh, test that. People need to make a wage. I don't care what you do for a living. You need to make a fair wage that you can afford. If you put a full 40-hour weekend, you can afford to put a roof over your head, food on the table, and hopefully you know, pay, pay for hockey and a few other things that a Canadian family, I think, is entitled to exactly. as long as you're willing to put in the work. But if you have to work 60 hours and you still have, don't have enough money to support yourself, there is a problem in the system. And that problem will get solved either through a revolution or, uh, you know, through some uh, means that aren't attractive to us. But I, I, I'm getting off track here. Let's talk about recycling a, a lot more because it's a very, very important subject matter. Um, t- tell me more specifically what your business does and, and, and what motivated you to get into the uh, uh, waste management business. Well, it, let, let me add to your point, right? So for businesses, we had to add to the bottom line, right? When you add to the bottom line, it trickles down, mm-hmm. right? And you, well, you would hope it trickles down, right? So we go to businesses and when we founded this company, we saw when when you go to landfills, most of the landfills were filled with recyclables and recyclables are worth money, as you said. So huh. we're, these obviously these recyclables are not coming from residential waste because we have a program there. Where is the program not? Most businesses. So they are literally throwing money in the trash. So we go to major corporations and say, hey, you're putting all this money in the trash. Let's put a program in. Oh, no, no. We've tried programs before. It costs more than landfill. They're like, no, no. You dealt with waste companies. We're strictly recycling. We have nothing to do with landfills. Yes, that might be the easier way of doing things, but let's put a incentive to it, a money incentive. Mm-hmm. That'll do the trick. Exactly. Right, doesn't it? So we put a waste audit in. We tell them, hey, this is how much plastic you're wasting which is and equals out to be this much money this is how much metal you're wasting equals out to be this much money all you need to do is these fundamental shifts are you willing to do them for this amount of money 
We've saved people millions. You know, it's, for Canada is, is, is a very odd country on certain levels. And I'm in Munich, Germany. Um, you're you're going to appreciate what I'm going to tell you here. Mm-hmm. Um, Samar um, Betty, founder of Sol Recycling, that's in the studio with us today. We're talking about waste management and environmental uh, business proposition here. Uh, I'm in Munich, Germany, and I was just about to take a plastic bottle of water, which was uh, finished, and right. put it in a garbage can. And as I'm reaching towards a garbage can, uh, a homeless person came up and said, no, waved at me, no, 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 give me that. Right. Collecting plastic bottles. Why? Because they, they, they can make money somehow. Yes. With a, so in Europe, they get it. They're so far advanced when it comes to recycling. I was in Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. And again, here in Canada, where we have a little bit of land, mm-hmm. a whole lot of it, second exactly. largest land mass in the world, yet we ship so much garbage, and I'm sure we still do, confirm if I'm wrong, to the United States of America. Of course. In Copenhagen, uh, they built a, a incinerator, which... Mm-hmm energy used to heat and service public buildings, plus a a proper recycling facility, plus because it's this great big complex thing, it it looks like a great big, uh, I'd say like a big pimple on on the planet, it's huge, but they turn into a ski hill. Yeah, I seen that. You, you know what I'm talking about. I, it, 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 I've been there, my friend. You, you've been there, but isn't, isn't it remarkable? <laughs> remarkable. But so Europeans get it. Yeah. So uh, tell, tell me, uh, the technology that you are employing um, is it uh, domestic or is it is it you know, is it European technology? It's also a European technology. Bingo. There you go. You're right on it. So it's an Italian technology. Italian. Yep. Yep. So they're they Prego. implemented there. Yeah. Yeah. Prego. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so. We brought it from Italy. We saw it implemented in, uh, in Italy, and it works well. So this technology is a thermal friction-based technology, so it's not incineration at all, so there's no burning element to it, huh? right? So emission-free. Actually, I can't say emission-free because even me and you breathing emits emission. And I'm emitting, baby. So <laughs> aren't we all, right? <laughs> but this is pollutant-free, hmm? right? And that's the big point. So, so what do you, what, explain to me what exactly you take in and what you put out. Okay, so we could take in anything. So this technology is specifically made for non-recyclables. We're talking about hazard waste, like medical waste and things like that are very complex, right? So remember, we have two parts to our business. Our first target is recycling because there's a revenue to it. And our second part of our business is incineration, right? Not your typical incineration. It's it's actually called waste conversion. Mm -hmm. I like to use incineration because people know what that is. But this is waste converting. So it's a thermal friction technology. Without burning the, the material, we make it into a fluff, the end product. And this fluff is then used for byproducts like insulation, roofing. There's a use for it. And even the uses that we try to find, because people go, oh, okay, so now it's going into the insulation or the roads, it will end up in landfill one day. But our end uses are 20-year-plus lifespans. So we're hoping in 20 years, there's a solution for that. And we might be the ones to do that. <laughs> so that's where we are with our company. So, And to put it into the financial, we, we want to go public with our company as well. And that's kind of why we're here today, mm-hmm. you know, um, to notify the public, hey, we are an option. So when you, as a company, are looking for waste solutions, you should call a recycling company rather than a landfill-associated company. Again, the company is Zero Waste. Zero Waste. Zero Waste. And again, I, I want to go back to you do two things. Yep. Please, go in detail as to what, you give us more, more examples of what you do, those two different things. Let's walk through it, brother. So we walk into a manufacturing plant, right? They said, hey, we spend this much money on waste management. What could you do for us? Mm-hmm. We go, okay, let's do a waste audit. 
Let's see what you're actually wasting. And typically, what we find is 80% of their waste is actually recyclables. Stuff like paper and plastic. Paper, plastic, metals. Paper, plastic, metals. Right? Okay. So what, major what, items. so what do you do? So we then go, all right, are you guys willing to segregate? Right? Can we put a system in that everybody is on board? We put a policy in and we make a company mindset that we are a green company now. Mm -hmm. And we must put these special type of bins in and we must format these ways. Once we put that format in, we then implement revenue. Say, okay, now you guys are doing this much volume and this is how much we're going to willing to pay you back. And it's all based on an index as well. Because these, as you know, commodities, right? We're talking metals, commodities, plastics, commodities, fibers are commodities. So we're based off the index. There's a formula there. There's a profit share as well there. We are going to take a quick break, Samar. Uh, we're speaking about garbage, my good friends, recycling and uh, being green. Uh, and, you know, if you have a little business and you produce some garbage, well, well maybe uh, Samir of Zero Waste can help give you some money and uh, allow you to get some green credits, so to speak. It's very important. Uh, these audits, uh, green audits and ESG, environmental social governance, uh, is a big buzzword. Unfortunately, I think AI is the new buzzword of the year, but let's not forget about ESG. Uh, we'll go back with Samara. Let's show about money. as Hi-Fi Radio, Jack Hartle. Always by my side. And uh, the show, my friends, is for you so that you have more wealth, so that you can put a smile on your family's face, your face, and help your brothers and sisters. Uh, it is better to give than receive. Trust me on that. Quick break, get right back to the show. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Stupid girl. Set that up for Samara Betty, founder of uh, Sol Recycling, a company uh, zero waste. So the company is Sol Recycling is zero waste. Yeah, yeah, we're also zero waste as well, of course. No, but is it the company name? Is oh it? no, 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 no. So we're Sol Recycling. You're Sol Recycling. Yeah, S-O-L. 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 Sol Recycling, and yeah. the, the mandate is zero waste. Correct. That's the mandate. It's a good. It's a good mandate. I like it. Yeah. Um, so you're you're, you're taking a news, you're taking paper, mm-hmm. and this, the paper have in hand here, and you're turning it into powder. At which point they can make new paper out of it, or mm-hmm. tissue, or uh, who knows what. Better not the stuff. Better not. not better not be the stuff that uh, we had in uh, high school. Remember those little paper, little you little bath, those little leaflets they pulled out. Who were what, what were those things? No, 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 no. The teachers had rolls. The students had these little things, little little leaflets. Yeah, never never understood. It was like painful. I just didn't want to have a bowel movement at school for that very, very reason. <laughs> Anyways, I'm admitting right now. Um, let's talk about steel then. Uh, yes, you sir. said you, you, you also recycle steel. So what do you do with scrap metal? Yeah, yeah. Scrap, there's a lot of categories in scrap. But we're going to choose for this conversation. Let's see. Pop cans. Everybody knows a pop can. Okay, yeah. Right? So pop cans come in. They're aluminum. Right? So aluminum, very recyclable. And the special thing about aluminum, it's endlessly recyclable. 
right? Where in plastic, it's not. Once it reaches a certain time of recyclability. With plastic, with you can't plastic, do it again. It's the cancer. It makes, plastic makes good clothes, believe it or not. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird. No, fleece, it's is, weird. fleece is plastic. Fleece is, yeah, it's it's remarkable. It's remarkable, yeah. It, 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 it actually is. insulates. It doesn't, obviously. Plastic is a remarkable <clears throat> material, but it's not good for the earth, right? So, because it does not recycle endlessly, right? And that's the problem with plastic. So, I would say when you can, don't choose plastic. Choose glass, choose aluminum, you know, choose other packaging. But always choose packaging with recyclability in it because then you're showing that manufacturer that you are open to this where it says 30 percent recycled fiber pick that up right pick that up rather than the, the packaging that doesn't say that at all. I, I thought the plastic bottle was going to go by the way the way the dodo bird uh remember flow water jack i do yeah yeah absolutely and, and that packaging, it's still around it is around yeah, but i but thought it, that that packaging was to take over uh you you know flow the product yes, the water yeah yes. and because that, that is a very recyclable um ergonomically friendly uh, uh packaging it has right. uh, compared to traditional plastic See, we we study packaging, obviously, right? We have to in recyclability. So to, to to your point, that water bottle costs more to create than a plastic PET bottle. Yeah, that makes and sense. That's that's the, the, you know, that's it's it, always right about the bottom line. The, the, the right? cost of the front end. Exactly. How, how much more expensive is that packaging? I can't tell you because I'm not really in that sure. business, but I can tell you the commodity itself is worth more. Right, so that's how I know the packaging itself is cost. Oh, the commodity, the, the the raw commodity to put to to, to make that right. packaging. But you also right. look at branding too, Wolf. Right, so you look yeah. at a plastic bottle. How visually appealing is it versus a uh, Tetra Pak type of packaging? Right. Yes. Brands are huge, so the, the, yeah. they're gonna. Yeah. You can make it look nicer plastic. You can. I would say yeah. so. So there's not just that; it's it's brand appeal as well. But well, we can make, we could change that mindset. <laughs> uh, so how often can can you recycle um, plastic it, or, or plastic bottles? You, I'm going to say it would depend on the grade of plastic, Wolf. Depend on a lot of things, and, and what yeah. the application is. Yeah, right? yes. of course. Because we got PP, we got PS, we got HD, we got LD. There's, there's so many grades of plastic, seven exact, but each one of them has a different type of lifespan, right? So, but typically seven times, seven, seven to eight times. times, yeah. And then eventually it, there's no use for it unless you put it into something permanent, like a table, right? Right. Right. Things are shifting. To your point, the, the people are taking initiative. It might be the benefits of the ESG. It might be the benefit of the revenues that we bring in. Maybe a collaboration of everything. But people are noticing and people are making moves. Um, your, your company um, recycles, what is it, over 10 million tons? 10,000 tons a month. 10,000 tons a month. Correct. That, that, that's a lot. Yeah, two football Ten, fields. Two football fields a month. Every month. Two football fields a month. Wow. Yep. Yep, yep. That's a, that, that's good. Yeah, yeah. That's very. And so, how many clients uh, do you have? I I couldn't give you a number. Approximately, more than thousands. Uh, more thousands. Yeah, thousands yeah. different companies working yeah. with you Definitely. to, uh, and and you're paying them to we, give you their garbage, to, and then you're you're recycling it and selling the end. Your 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 profit margin is selling the end product. Of course. So to put into perspective, because we are on a, a financial based podcast here, so. Right now, our revenues are at 15 million, right? On an annual basis, right? Not much, but you have to consider that we, these revenues are from garbage, selling tons yeah. and tons of garbage, huh. right? So that 15 million revenue in profit share is going down to the producer as well, right? And hopefully down to the worker, right? Back to your original point. <laughs> and then well, yours right? as well. Right, yeah. and ours as well. So it's kind of the, the triple win again. And, um, and that's what we do. So we're trying to change the landscape of waste management 
And I think we we are. Now, waste companies, traditionally, when they go into companies, they go, hey, 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 we, we have no solution for you. This is landfill, 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 landfill. Right. But now the clients are going, no, 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 we heard of a company Good that recycles you. Good it. Good for you. And what have you now? We have waste companies calling us. Can you take in this waste? Good, that's nice. It's beautiful. Good for you, Saul. How, right. how many how many facilities do you have? Just the one in Brampton? Just one, but we're trying to expand. And how, how big is that facility? How many square feet? Uh, about 50,000. 50,000 square yeah. feet. That, yeah, that, yeah. That's that's a pretty chunky facility. We started at 5,000. And you have 50. And, and yeah. at 15 million revenue, is the company making yeah. money? Yes. You are making money. We are. We you are. need to make money or you won't stay in business. Well, then our, yeah, then our, there's no purpose of this. I know a lot of companies that are public are net negatives, but we're not We're not one of those. We're not one of those. We're, we're coming in with profit. Otherwise, our systems wouldn't be making sense. Well, I want to wish you success. Uh, you're the founder of Sol Recycling. It's a Samar Betty. Uh, you get a zero-waste uh, policy. Uh, look, if you're, if you're a business of any size and you're producing garbage, which I'm sure you are, from pop cans, paper, steel, um, don't cross-contaminate it. Uh, give uh, Sol Recycling a call. Uh, there may be some money on the table for you, and if he cuts you a check, don't forget about your friend, the Wolfman. Sci Fi Radio, 640 in Toronto. We're going to take a commercial break and talk the season. Yes, it's the season, my good friends. The season of strength for the market. See, in November, off to a real good start. Don Velo is an expert on seasonal investing. He's going to give us a bit of a roadmap as to what we can expect between here and, shall I say, the springtime. And there's no saying on Wall Street you buy when it snows and you sell when it goes. Is there any truth to it? I think so. Sci-Fi Radio, 640 Toronto. Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. I do like California. It's a great state. And, uh, well, the leaves are brown. Make sure you rake them up. Get them under your eaves. Protect your asset if you own a home. Take good care of your home. It's uh, It'll take care of you. Don't let it get run down. It's amazing people have these beautiful homes or the expensive homes, I should say, but they don't take good care of them. We see it all over the city. Well, got to take care of your home. And, uh, yeah, the days are getting shorter and the sky gets gray. Um, but, you know, when you work on Bay and Wall Street, you actually look forward this time of the year. It's so strange, but you buy when it snows, you sell when it goes. Don Velo, um, one of the first friends I made on Bay Street uh, some 23 years ago when he was working at one of those big banks and I joined him for a period of time. And I got real close to this man because he was just so knowledgeable about the markets. Uh, Don Velo, thank you very much for coming back to High Fry Radio. It's, uh, it's a season you like to shine in. Uh, so here we are, uh, November. This, this Jack and I were just talking on the way over here, Don, although I'll, I'll preface my statement with uh, about how 
accurate and, and uh, bang on seasonal uh, investing has worked out this year. You had the summer sell-off, and then you got the seasonal strength coming into the market. Uh, you know, early October, sorry, mid-October towards the end of October. This year was late. It started at the end of October, beginning of November, but close enough. Uh, so here we are, November market up what uh, mid-single digits so far. Um, where do you think we go from here? And do you think we're going to get a Santa Claus rally, Don, knowing the rally that we've just had? Can Santa still come to the party? Oh, he certainly will. Uh, that's oh, the good news. He will. He will come. <clears throat> okay, no coal sure for will. you. That's good. <laughs> the uh, the year-end rally for North American equity markets continued last week, and uh, we're only in the middle of three waves for the year-end rally. The first wave actually happens normally between October 27th and November the 8th. That's nine consecutive days, which are the strongest nine consecutive trading days for both the TSE composite and the S&P 500. The second wave actually happens right around now, uh, just prior to and after the uh, U.S. Thanksgiving holiday. Which is next week, by the way. That's next week, right? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, November 23rd is the U.S. Thanksgiving. And historically, just before or just after, uh, we have a really good move. Of course, historically, just after uh, November 23rd this year is November 24th, which is Black Friday. Historically, the day when people go out and shop, buy all kinds of things prior to Christmas, uh, buy the uh, Christmas bargains before Christmas comes along itself. So Black Friday is always a big day. Also, online Mondays when people uh, who are on the computers buy all kinds of yeah, that was a new one eh? in the last two decades was the online monday uh and people actually were getting in trouble at work for shopping on mondays at work uh, but they also took some of the punch out of black friday correct yeah exactly but uh, ultimately both uh, times have resulted in huge increases in uh, sales just prior to christmas mm-hmm. and of course we have the traditional year-end uh, christmas rally from december 15th to january 5th that's when people are in a good mood. Uh, Christmas is coming. Uh, people are receiving their year-end bonuses. Uh, all the major investment firms are putting out uh, bullish articles about great picks for next year. So it's just a joyous time to be in the market. So we're pretty good from here to year-end. Um, now let's talk about the Canadian market because uh, it, it, it is different in some ways than the U.S. market uh, from, from a registered retirement savings plan uh, uh, calendar. Um, to the commodity centricity of our nation. Um, what's in store for us? Yeah, it's interesting. The Canadian market, as you mentioned, is different from the U.S. market at this time of year as well. In particular, from December the 15th to March the 7th, the Canadian market, the TSE composite in this case, substantially outperforms the S&P 500 by 5% wow. on average. So middle of December to March, the the Canadian market tends to outperform the U.S. market. Exactly. Now, if you think about it, that's the time when investors are putting money into their RSPs and RSPs and so on. Uh, People are taking their year-end bonuses and putting them into the market. And that's the time when uh, the Canadian market significantly Outperforms U.S. Do people market. still get U.S. Do people still get year-end bonuses? I have, I've never gotten one. You've never gotten. I gotta say they're, 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 they're smaller. No, they're one. smaller on Wall Street. That's what I heard just recently. Actually, obviously with the difficult markets, but yes, the year-end bonuses is certainly is a, still a contributing real? factor. It's still real. Well, it's still real, eh? Um, 
So, Don, I want to I want to move over into a subsector. Uh, again, we, we've set the table. We we got ourselves a, a seasonal period of of, of optimism. Um, let's get specific into oil, and then I want to move over into the U.S. election, which is next year. Um, so, this is the third year. Uh, markets tends to do well. It has done reasonably well this year. Not great, but it's been okay, especially if you've been in the right names. Uh, we won't talk about next year, but more importantly, energy. Here we are in the middle of November. Uh, heating oil is supposed to kick into gear. It's not that cold out yet. Maybe that's part of the problem, but oil's been under some pressure. Um, are we are we in a bit of a shoulder season still for oil? Uh, what, what, and what's your seasonal play on, on, on energy stocks? You're on the right track. Uh, well, uh, historically, the energy sector does very poorly uh, in the fall times. As you say, it's a sh- shoulder season. But uh, the key is that the sector bottoms right around around the middle of December. That's so got another, another, another month of pain then. Exactly. Great, um, the great sector, Thanks, Don. Uh, yeah, so look <laughs> yeah. for other opportunities. I, I would say with energy right now, Wolf, uh, I think some of the contributing factor of the weakness is the economic weakness that people are looking forward to. So you're seeing, they're talking about a 2024 recession in that if the weakness does come to fruition, energy is typically not the, the place to be. And you're seeing that also in, in the U.S. Treasuries as well. We, okay, we bought Rebecca, some fi- I, yeah, I want to stop you right there because as you said, U.S. recession, I'm going to say to you now, now again, markets are forward-looking. So we have to put that on the table. Markets are forward-looking, but the bond market, Jack, Don and listeners, the U.S. bond market from two years to 30 is normally sloping right now. It's it's very flat, but two-year yields are lower than five tens and thirties. Five years are lower than tens and thirties, and tens are lower than 30. So across the curve from two to 30, it is now upward sloping, which is a normal yield curve, which is spelling therefore of a normal economy, not a recession, but the curve was inverted for two years or a year and a half. So maybe, yeah, that, that previous inversion is going to put it into you session. But I, I'm seeing more of a recession personally in Canada than over the United I States. I would agree and the, bond, and the bond market saying the same thing. Uh, but energy is weak across the board. So, uh, well, I got some oil. I don't necessarily want to sell it a month before it hits bottom. I'm capable of doing stuff like that. But uh, we're going to get back with Don Velo talking seasonality here on Bay and Wall Street. Don Velo, of course, is a seasonal investor and he's been on Bay Street for over five decades retired but continues to be very passionate about the markets and sharing his wisdom with you he's given back it's a beautiful thing Hi-Fi Radio get right back to it in just a few minutes stay tuned want to make more money stay tuned for more Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto you're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. It's a magical time. It's a magical song, my good friends. Oh, I love that piece of music. Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. 
Yes, it's early, um, but, uh, well, I'm behind the department stores. They're always in front of me, and uh, it used to be right after Halloween, but people put up a backlash saying they should wait till Remembrance Day before they start uh, talking Christmas. It's a very, very important day, Remembrance Day. It is indeed. Well, Christmas is a good time for many, and again, not all. And, uh, you know, those who are less fortunate uh, need our help. Don't forget, support the poor, help others, do good. Uh, Jack and I are trying to have help you have more money, and if you're paying attention, you do have more money. All of our clients have more money. Uh, last two years have been, okay, still challenging. If you started with us two years ago, you're up slightly, but stay the course. Uh, we do very good work. It's, you know, five, ten years. you got to give it time. And uh, friends, if you know anyone in their early 20s, there's a new vehicle available. It's called a homebuyer savings plan. Uh, 20-somethings can put $8,000 a year in. They get the, an $8,000 tax deduction, so they get money back from the government. They have 15 years to then buy a house. Um, but they, the money grows tax-free, uh, and they can take it out tax-free. So it's actually, I think, one of the best vehicles available. Uh, we have them available to our clients, Home Buyer Savings Plan. Um, but again, share your knowledge with um, uh, those who are going to need the help most and who you can help the most. You can help the most, those who are just starting to work. Uh, I had a friend of mine from high school call me up and said, Wolf, it's time for me to start saving for my retirement, so can you open up an account for me? And I, I didn't have the nerve to tell him it's kind of late to start. It's okay, it's never too late, but not when you're 58, man. When you're 28, when you're 23, that's when you should start work, save, invest, repeat. For how long? At least 25 years. But that's okay, you're still young. What, you'd be 48, and you'll have a million bucks if you do what I say, at least. And then guess what? To get to, take you 25 years to get to 1 million, take you, what, six years to get to 2 million, it'd take you four years to get to 3 million. And if you want to play with math like this, just look at how much money Warren Buffett has made in the last 10 years. That number is astounding. You know, it took Buffett, I don't know, a long time to become a billionaire. And then within, in the last 10 years, he probably made, I don't know, 15 or $20 billion. Oh, does it grow? It's so exponential. But you got to lay, do the work up front. You got to do the work up front. That's what most people don't want to do. Well, the 1%, I know they do it. And uh, please, I want all of you to do it. Work, save, invest, start early. And, you know, you, you can't save too much. But there's a lot of different vehicles to put your money into. It becomes more complicated. Uh, guys like Jack and I are here to help you. You know, you got an RESP for your kids. You got an RSP for yourself. A home buyer savings plan now, a tax-free savings plan, a regular RSP. Where do you begin? Where does it stop? Uh, call us. We'll help you with that. And uh, own quality. Own quality, quality companies that are working. Good businesses that aren't working, well, Don, you're going to agree with me. Uh, even a good business, but if it's not working, sell it, buy it when it is working. Uh, agree or disagree? Canadian banks not working. Would you sell them here, Don? Keep an eye on them and try to reload at uh, a better entry point? Take your loss now? Because Canadian banks are down on the year. Most are. About 10% working. Yeah. What do you think, Don? Canadian banks, would you sell them here? Tax loss? I know it's tempting because most of them are trading at uh, a loss for the year. But same time, the dividend yields on those banks are really rich right now. They're very rich, but the trend's lower. It, uh, they're they're stuck. Like the technicals look awful on them. Man, you're a very good technical guy. Uh, so would you dare sell the Royal Bank or TD Bank or National or BMO or Scotia down here, or hold your breath and just forget it and hang on to it? <laughs> Yeah, on a technical basis, we've actually had a little bit of a recovery in that sector during the last week. 
So not uh, much. I'm, I'm staring at them down barely at their 50-day, barely. Now that's resistance is their 50-day moving average, which is below the 200-day moving average. I, I got the mental implant of those in my brain right now. It really depends on how long you've held them as well, Wolf. Because if you've no, only no, no, if no, you've no, only I'm held talking, it for I'm a year, technicals. The technicals are broken. I don't care. How, if oh, no, I thought you were saying me. for tax. No, loss. I don't care. Talk, well, tax loss difference. I'm just saying the trend is lower. Would you hang on to the stock because the, technically they're not working? They're, the kid with the crayon is my test on. If I were to take a kid, say, here's a crayon, put an arrow up or down on each stock chart. I do think they're going to get it right, Don. I do. A kid will get it right. You and I will think. We'll think, oh, but this, oh, but that is high bank at TD or the dividend's good or this bank stock down another 3%. <laughs> That's what happens. Yeah, a, lot, a lot depends upon the type of investor you are. If you're a short-term investor, then, yeah, you, you probably want to uh, go on to something better. If you're a longer-term investor, which probably many of your clients are, then, uh, hey, stick with it for now. Well, I own a bit of TD in our book. We own 1% of our book, so I'm not worried. It's a small position. We own 1% Royal. It's a small position. Uh, but we are very underweight, the Canadian banks. We sold our national bank significantly higher. Uh, we sold Scotia a little higher. We sold CIBC a little higher. Um, but I can watch them. I can buy them back. Um, you you know. made, I would say you made a very good point before as well, Wolf. You talk about work, save, invest, buy quality. Yep. The, the Canadian banks, any way you look at them, are quality companies. They are. They are but absolutely. they're not working. No, I'm gonna say, if, not no, no. Working what, if you're gonna if you're gonna own something that is down, make sure it's quality, not American Hotel or some other. You know, you know, read you know, the only thing like I, agree with, I do trouble. agree with you. The only problem is you know what was once quality Nortel. That was quality of the high. Of a, so so was BlackBerry. I'm not, I'm not trying I, to be funny here, Jack. You're laughing. No, I'm talking, I'm I'm a talking about the sector. Yeah. But it's still the BlackBerry was that of quality. It was. Yeah, it was. Absolutely. It was totally then, of quality. Then what happened? Then it got Nor- disrupted. Nortel was of quality. It, it was. It was putting fiber in around the planet. The fiber we use today, they planted. That seed, I kid you not, 20 years yeah, ago, the other po- it was unlit fiber. They put so much fiber. They were good, good on them, good job. Uh, this, I remember the stock at $60. went from 120 to 60 down 50%. And that was it. Remember that, remember that level, Don, on, on Nortel? The $60 level? For some reason, I do. Maybe because I took a shot at buying it there and I cut that <laughs> lot. I, did, I, I think I probably bought some at 60 and I probably cut it at 50 And thank goodness I cut it at 50 It went to zero. So that's the problem. Even quality, you know, the market is smart. And I don't think our big six banks are going off the board. So I do agree. You can hold the banks. You'll clip your divvy. And I think in time you will be fine. But if you want to make money every year and put numbers on the board, I like to trade through quality names. At least I know that I'm trading the right names and they're out of favor. I can come back to them. But the market's funny, Don. And I, I really say, and I said to Jack, we can't fall in love with these stories because if the market doesn't care, it doesn't care. AT&T and Verizon, they pay dividends just as good as those Canadian banks. And they're trading at multiples of six times earnings. Uh, and the market didn't care. And it took them to 20 years. Bell Canada, it doesn't care. The, the, the pipelines, it doesn't care until it does. And that's your turning point. And that's where technical analysis helps you out, Don. Please, over to you, my friend. Yeah, here's another new idea for you. It has to do whether you should own U.S. equities or Canadian equities. Help me out here with that. Let's go. Yeah, the U.S. dollar index uh, just on Wednesday of this week broke through a trading range and has now established a downward trend. So that implies that you may not want to own any U.S. equity securities. Uh, historically, yeah, easy, easy on that, Don. The Canada has a lot of garbage in it. I'm sorry to say. I don't mean to be rude and take the mic on you. But uh, yeah, I, I would not build a, an exclusive Canadian portfolio ever. Uh, maybe a little more Canadian. You got a couple rails. You got a couple pipes. You got a few oils. You got some banks. And that's about it in this country. Um, 
But I, I am very overweight the U.S. market, so you're sort of making me a little concerned. I'm massively overweight, so you think maybe repatriate some of that U.S. money back into Canada. Friends, don't do all. I, don't do it. Don't <laughs> the, do all. The one thing I'll add there, Wolf, is a lower U.S. dollar in general is actually good for good, equities because it, it, it's good, well, for say, good for Microsoft. It's easing economic conditions, so that Around is good that's for good, the yeah. asset class of equities. I agree. Uh, so I, 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 so I, I, I agree with you, Don. I knew you were going with the U.S. dollar. I saw your work on it, your writing on it. And I think as a U.S. equity investor, um, every now and then you are going to have some currency pain. And so Don thinks maybe next year we have some currency pain where the U.S. dollar gives back. Canadian dollar gets stronger, so when you repatriate or convert back into Canadian dollars, you're off on the currency or off on the trade a little bit. Who is it? Uh, S&C Lavalin and uh, what's the other uh, engineering firm? WSP, WSP Global. Is a big one. WSP Global. Acom is looking good too. That's obviously a U.S. name. Uh, friends at home, I want to wish you all a lovely weekend. If you have any questions about money, financial plans and estates and compounding, uh, you name it. Uh, call us. Uh, Jack and I are here for you. We really are. There's no question too big, no question too small. We answer them all. Uh, I do want you to spread the love. Um, you know, if you know friends who can uh, benefit from a show like this, let them know about it. But uh, again, encourage young ones to start early. Save, invest, repeat. The sooner you start, the magic of compounding will do the heavy lifting for you so that you don't have to do it. Furthermore, if you start earlier, you'll end up with more. And boy, oh boy, will the acorns fall on your head. Trust me, I have an oak tree in my backyard and uh, they fall. I want to wish you all a great weekend. Thank you. Love you. And we'll speak with you next Saturday right here on 640 Toronto, the show Hi-Fi Radio. All the best. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardhill, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any questions about money, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. Join us again next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.